Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you are encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from Pastor Kevin Miller. We're in the middle of a series that we've called Aftermath, and this, uh, this series is really focused in on life and ministry in the aftermath of destruction. Or in our case, the aftermath of social distancing and quarantine and prep for schools and masks and what a weird world we're living in. And we're learning, you know, these first three weeks of the series was really focused on kind of the the church, Christians. Not that we weren't presenting the gospel. In fact, we've seen people get saved almost every week of this series, which is awesome. There will be more opportunity coming for that. But we were really focused on the the church, life and ministry. We've been talking about how disaster and social distance has a way of reprioritizing and realigning things in our lives. And kind of last week we talked about embracing a new normal. What does it look like? Where, where should our priorities be as we continue to move forward? But as you guys are aware, when tragedy hits, when a big transition takes place in life, long after the news crews are gone and the headlines are reporting on other news, there's still ongoing care that's required after those tragic circumstances, situations. And that's really kind of where we find ourselves today, um, because, you know, if, if you've been with us for these first three weeks, you know, we've been in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, at this point, has rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And for some of you, as, as quarantine has gone on, and there's, there's starting to, your, your life is starting to gain, gain some normalcy now, um, for some of you, your, your income has been restored or your job has been restored. Others of you, it's, it's crazier than it's ever been. And the future is even less known than, than it's been. But I want you to know this, looking at Nehemiah, just because the walls are repaired, just because your income is restored, doesn't mean your heart has been revived, right? Maybe this is a word for somebody today. Just, just let, me, let me say this. Maybe you've already gone through a season where you just knew God is at work in my life and there's been some things that have been rebuilt and I, I wonder if there's still another step that needs to be taken. Some healing that still needs to happen. And that's kind of where we find ourselves today in Aftermath. Today in this series, we kind of pivot. We take a, a, a turn in the series. And for these next three weeks beginning today, we're going to focus on giving the best ongoing care that we can possibly give to our community. And I can sum up the ongoing care that we're going to focus on in the next three weeks in one name, Jesus, okay? Because listen, there, there's, there's a time and a place for conversations and protests and picket signs, and there's a time and a place for all of that, and I'm not here to downplay or politicize anything. What I am here to do is upplay the name of Jesus and the healing that he can bring. Because if there's anything our city, our nation, our world needs, it is the hope that comes only through Jesus. You with me on that? That's, that's what we need. And so that's kind of the, the, the place that we pivot starting today. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't preach the gospel the first few weeks or I won't after this. Is, but but what, I, what I hope you capture today is that these next three weeks are focused on the crystal clear uh, delivery of the gospel message, lifting up the cross in Jesus Christ as our hope. We do that every week. 
but like hyper focused on into these next few weeks. I believe it's the thing that our world needs now more than ever. So I'm, I'm asking you this. If you didn't bring somebody with you this week uh, and you have a friend that, that feels comfortable coming with you on campus next week, bring them. Or if you, you're joining us online or at a watch party and you haven't invited a friend that doesn't know Jesus, invite them. These next couple weeks, I just think it's so important for our culture to hear the name of Jesus. He's the, he's the best care that we can give in this, this, this season that we're living in. Um, so my prayer is that over these three weeks, we're able to reach more people with the gospel. And I believe as we do that, it will simultaneously equip the church to share the gospel. You're going to hear, even for those of you who are followers of Christ, those of us who know Jesus already, you're going to hear truths that will remind you of things to share with your friends. Because can I remind you, it's not my job to reach your friends. You're like, well, you're the pastor. Well, yeah, but I'm not your friend's friend. God loved your friend so much that he put you in their life. And it's not my job to make sure that your friend knows Jesus. We all have spheres and circles of influence that God has brought those people in our lives, and that's on our shoulders. Not their salvation, but that you would live out and share the gospel with them, okay? I'll do my best on a Sunday to preach the gospel, and I, I, I pray that these will be transforming weeks for us as a, as a church and individuals and families. Now, today, I want to focus on one verse, one verse of the Bible, arguably the most famous verse in all of Scripture, over 31,000 verses in the Bible, and this is arguably the most famous verse of all of them, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Or if you're reading in the King James, it says, whosoever is the, is the word that's given right there. So I've titled today's message, write it down, for all the whosoever's. Meaning, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, this message is for you. If you know Jesus, if you don't yet know Jesus, if you doubt him, if you don't know where you stand with God and religion and church and Bible, that's okay. This message is for you. I hope you'll be encouraged by it. Now, John 3.16, in case you're not aware. Now, for those of you who grew up in church or around religion, you know, I imagine, you know John 3.16 pretty well. You've heard it. You've, it's been ingrained. In fact, I heard some of you quoting it as I was quoting it. You've heard it from when you were a little kid in Sunday school. But for others of you, maybe you, this is kind of like your first thing. You're like, what's a John 3.16? I don't get it. I've heard of Austin 3.16. I don't know what John 3.16 is. Or maybe you've heard of John 3.16 like on the, the underside of the In-N-Out Burger Cups or Tim Tebow's Eye Black back in the day. Uh, it's in pop culture all over the place. So I, I don't know where your first interaction with this, this verse has been, but let me just say this. Well-known does not mean understood. Just because everybody knows it doesn't mean that we've actually let it soak in and change us. Just because you grew up with it doesn't mean that it's done anything for you. And so I'm praying that today, like God has used this in my life over these last couple weeks, I'm praying today we see it with fresh eyes, new perspective, and that it changes us, that God uses this powerfully in, in our lives. Now, just to, to provide some context, John 3.16 is just one tiny snippet, 
one sentence of a whole ongoing conversation that Jesus had in John chapter 3 with one of the Jewish religious leaders, Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. And he believed in Jesus, but he didn't want any of his buddies to know that. So he found Jesus kind of under the cover of darkness one night. The John chapter 3 kind of records the scene, and they have this ongoing conversation. And Nicodemus asks a bunch of questions about salvation. And, and Jesus begins to explain how men, can, men and women can have eternal life. And Nicodemus, about John 3, around verse 10, asks, how can this happen? And John 3.16 is one tiny portion of Jesus' answer to that question. How can we have eternal life? And I want to break it down, John 3.16, I want to break it down into three thoughts for us today. I hope you'll write them down. I think they'll help you. Number one, God, write this down, God is the definition and the initiator of love. I think uh, too many of us, when it comes to God's love we mistakenly believe or at least act like we can earn God's love like your waiter earns a tip at lunch. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like as long as the service is good enough, as long as they're refilling my drinks and taking good care of us and they, uh, the food wasn't what I asked, but they took it back and, the, you know, they made the bill right. And as long as the service is good, but come on, you've also been at the table where there's the conversation of like, she's not, she's not doing a great job here. There, there goes the tip meter, right? There goes her tip. We get this idea that like, I, I think unfortunately when it comes to our relationship with God, we start to treat God's love that way. Like as long as my service to him is good, then he'll bless me, then I'll have his favor, then I get, no, but that's not, the, that's human love. That's not God's love, right? Human love is resistant to give of itself until there's a reason to do so, and I'll get something back for it right? Isn't that human love? Human love is, I, I, I kind of like you. I don't know if I love you. And I'll stop liking you the moment you do something that I don't like. Love, though, God's love, this agape love that, that is talked about here, is self-sacrificing to the point that kind of doesn't make a lot of sense when you really think about the way that God loves us and we're so undeserving of it. So, so here's what we have to understand. It says, this verse starts, verse 16, God so loved the world. He initiated it. Why? We don't earn God's love because 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. Here's what that means. That means that for, for God, love is not just an emotion. It's not even just an action Love is actually God's definition, which is an amazing thought because that means since God is the definition of love, then that means everything that God does is loving, even when we don't like it, right? You get that? You tracking? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Okay, God loves us and everything he does, even when it's painful, is done from love because God is love. It's not just something that he does. It is who he is. And he initiated the whole thing. Which is good news because he's not waiting 
on you to love him for him to love you back. You've heard the phrase like, you know, have you found Jesus? (laughs) You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. We don't go after God naturally. He came after us. He initiated this whole thing. We only love God because he first loved us. Right? It's, it's all, it all started from him. For God so loved the world. It nowhere says, because the world was so lovely, God loved them. No, it just, for God so loved the world. Nicodemus has just asked Jesus, how can man have eternal life? For God so loved the world. It's just because God is love. He's the definition of it. He's the initiator of love. And, and so like, and I, I hesitate to say the phrase that I'm about to say, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway. You've heard, you've heard somebody say, this is the most important thing that I'm about to say. To, if you hear nothing else, listen to this. I hesitate to say that because then maybe you're going to turn me off after this. Don't do that. But it really is the most important thing of the whole thing. Ready? God loves you. That's it. Like, if you don't remember anything else, remember, now, please don't try to forget everything else, but like, if you don't remember anything else, and that sticks with you, then I've done my job. I feel like I could say, God loves you, and drop the mic. The audio team wouldn't be happy about it, but I could, right? Sermon over, that's it. That's the most important thing. You got to understand, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter how far you've run, God is desperately in love with you long before you ever feel lovely or, or earning uh, like, like you've enabled God's love or, or grown to a place where God might love you. I just want you to know God was madly in love with you way before that. He always has been. God so loved the world. Number two, would you jot this down? God's love for us led to his sacrifice for us. We live in a a world that has sadness everywhere you look. I mean, all you have to do is drive down the road. You'll see a, a homeless person. You'll see a car accident. You open up a news app. I mean, there's worldwide tragedy. There's loss everywhere you look. And when it's not something happening outside, you get home, you turn on the TV, and then, and then you end up like with, have you seen the, like the sad dog commercial, like the adopted dog commercial? It's got like Sarah McLaughlin playing in the background in the arms of an angel, and it's like puppy dog eyes through bars, and you're like, I just need all the puppies. I'm so sad for all the puppies. There's a sadness everywhere. But, but here's the challenge that we face with this. Because sadness is so pervasive... And our resources are so limited, then at some point, like all that we can even muster up is I just, I feel for them. I don't even know that there's anything I can do. I don't even know some of you, some, like, we get so exhausted with it, like, I don't even know how to pray. Like, I could feel for them. You've, You've heard somebody say, we're sending our thoughts and prayers to them. Like, I don't know what else to do. And, and so sometimes it just feels like it's, it's exhausting. Like I, I feel sad for him, but I don't even know what to do. And I just want you to understand that's not the way that God worked. It says that for God so loved the world that he gave. His love for us led to action that he sacrificed on our behalf. 
his love drove generosity, that he would give above and beyond. And it says that he sacrificed his only son for a bunch of undeserving sinners, which as a dad does not compute in my brain. Give my only son for a bunch of undeserving sinners? Absolutely not. Now, would I give my life for my son? Absolutely. But give my son? Out of the question. But God did that for us. That's love. That doesn't even make sense from a human standpoint. And, but his love for us was so deep that it drove him to sacrifice. You know, I think so often we limit love to an, to an emotion. And it's so much more than that. It's, it's an action. This is the beauty of, of what, what the Bible talks about in Romans 5, 8, where, where it says that God shows his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I, I was also thinking this week, Jesus said one of his favorite quotes is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So think about it. God proved where his heart was by sending his treasure to us. His love for us led to his sacrifice for us. Here's a third thought. Jot this one down. God's invitation is wide, but the entrance is narrow. The invitation is wide. Look look at this. I mean, it says right here at the beginning of verse 16, God so loved who? The world, everybody, all-inclusive. And then did you see who can have eternal life? This message is for all the whosoevers, right? It's available for anybody. So let me break that down just in case there's some, some clarity needed. You're like, well, who exactly is he talking about? Because I'm not sure about the Greek participle here. No, listen, all of them, everybody. You're like, well, that can't mean everybody because I know some really bad people. No, literally everybody, anyone who believe, all ages, all backgrounds, all demographics, all skin colors, all socioeconomical class, every, every past, every present, every future, your sexual orientation, your failures, your, any of that, if you would believe the gospel is for you. Forgiveness. Through, come on, are you guys listening today? It's for everybody. No matter who you are, no matter how far you've run, it's for us. It's for everyone. The invitation is wide open. Maybe you came up with a reason that God can't love you. Somebody told me that my marital status doesn't, and God can't forgive me because of that. Somebody told me because of my sexual orientation that I can't. No, listen, get all of that out of your mind. The Bible is crystal clear right here. Anyone who would believe is invited. Anyone. Now, that doesn't mean that nothing's going to change in your life. Listen, God loves you just as you are, but he loves you way too much to let you stay like you are. Now, listen, here's where the controversy kicks in. Because our culture, our our all-inclusive, tolerant, coexist culture, loves the idea of a wide invitation. Everybody's invited. Believe what you want to believe. Isn't this the world that we live in? 
You just, you, you just, it's true for you. If it's true for you, what's true for me is true for me. Everybody's invited. You know, our, our culture loves that. Here's where it gets controversial. It's not in the, the controversy isn't the, in, in the whoever part. The controversy is that whoever believes in him. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You're telling me everybody's invited, but there's only one way into heaven? No, that's narrow-minded and intolerant. We get called names for that. So it's funny because our culture says that we resist narrow-mindedness, which is what some would call this. But I don't, I don't agree with that because there's actually narrow-mindedness everywhere we look. I'll give you a few examples. Did you know that at sea level, water always boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit? Not 205, not 225, 212 degrees Fahrenheit. That seems narrow to me. Why? Because science is narrow. I don't have to tell you that two plus two, I know we've been out of school for a little while, okay? I don't have to tell you that two plus two does not equal three and a half or four and a half or whatever you want it to equal. Two plus two always equals four. That seems very narrow-minded to me. In fact, you could say that two plus two is pretty intolerant of any other answer. Science is extremely narrow. Biology, extremely narrow. Mathematics, extremely narrow. If I invited you to lunch sometime to go eat at Black Horse, <laughs> some of them, oh, yeah. <laughs> if I invited you to eat lunch at Black Horse, and I said, do you know how to get there? I'll give you some instructions. And you're like, don't give me instructions. I'm a good driver. All roads lead to Black Horse. <laughs> I'd be like, guess we're not going to lunch because I'll be there. That just seems illogical. And in fact, what you would expect of me if I knew where it was and you didn't, what you would expect of me is to give you specific directions. Well, when you leave the Awakened campus, take a ride on Riverside, ride on Commerce, left on First, ride on Franklin. They've got one location, 132 Franklin Street, and currently, because of coronavirus, one door to go through. That's pretty narrow-minded. One door? Well, yeah, but, but, but listen. Our culture says that we don't like narrow-mindedness, but I guess what I'm trying to illustrate is that we need it. We have to have some absolutes. And so I think, you know, with the restaurant, there's one location, one address, one door. Jesus is the one door into heaven. So when Jesus goes, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody else comes to the Father except through me, listen very closely. Jesus is not being exclusive. He is being lovingly specific. He, he, here's what he did. He paid for eternity, and then he took all of our guesswork out of it and told us exactly how to get there. It's not, he didn't leave it up to us. Like, I hope they find their way. No, he said, I am the way. I'm the door. 
There's no, there's no way else to come to the Father, Jesus said, except through me. This is what our culture doesn't like. We like the everybody's invited idea. We don't like that there's only one way. But we have to have the way, and we're so thankful. I hope that we're thankful that Jesus has made it very clear how to get there. Now, I just, I just dumped a bunch of good news on you, okay? But we have a problem with news. We, we consume a lot of news. Everywhere we look, in fact, I don't know how you access news. For me, primarily, I access it through an app on my phone. Now, a lot of news apps today have a feature, smartphone feature, called Infinite Scroll. Uh, If you use Facebook or Instagram, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You scroll, and you can literally never get to the bottom of it. It endlessly loads content as long as you're looking for something. So some news apps do the same thing. So you literally, you'll just scroll and scroll and scroll, and you'll never get to the bottom of it. It'll never end. And so what that does is it conditions us. The, the infinite scroll feature begins to make us where we get used to consuming without responding. Right? Isn't this how we consume things these days? We, we consume our news like this all the time. Politics, the next president, coronavirus, Kanye West did what? New Taylor Swift. And then we go, what's for dinner? We're consuming, but we're not responding to anything. This is one of the millions of ways that the good news that I've just delivered to you is different from all of the rest of the news that we consume. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ requires a response. We have to do something about this. Because there's a lot of action from God. I don't know if you picked up on this. For God so loved the world. He loved, so he gave, so he could save. But there's a response from us in here as well. That whoever believes, that's our part. That's our response. And by the way, just to, to clarify here what we're talking about belief When we're talking about believing here, this is not just like an empty intellectual awareness of God. There are some people, maybe even here, that that have that. Like you're aware maybe that there is a God, that you believe there might be a God. You might call yourself an agnostic. I think there's probably a higher power. Listen, did you know that the Bible says in James chapter 2 that even the demons believe? So it's not about like, because they know, they've seen God. They know that there is a God, but it hasn't changed them. So having an empty intellectual awareness of God is not what John 3.16 is talking about. This word believe, I got, I got to get this right. It means to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. Jesus, here's what Jesus is saying. If we use that definition, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes to the point of complete trust and reliance should not perish but have eternal life. Not is just aware of God, but is willing to trust God with their lives. This is the response to the good news of the gospel. And those who choose to believe are saved from perishing and granted eternal life. Now, what's cool about eternal life is that eternal life doesn't wait to kick in until you're dead when you see Jesus. What's cool about eternal life is that eternal life here is less about the quantity of life and more about the quality of life. Because did you know everybody lives forever? It's just where are you going to end up? That's the choice in front of us. So I told you that there has to be a response. I told you that the good news of the gospel requires us to respond. And that, that somebody wasn't ready for that. Somebody heard me say that and you, you just go, you know, that's cool. I get it, but I'm not ready to make a response. Listen, let me be clear. Everybody within the hearing of my voice, online, watch party, on campus, wherever you're, you're seated, listen, everybody who hears this will make a decision today. In fact, to not decide is to decide. It's accept or reject, bottom line. All of us will leave today having made a decision. And so it's up to you. What are you going to do about the news that God loved you so much in the middle of your messy, beat-up life that he didn't wait for you to find him. He found you. God sent his only son to pay the price that you and I deserve to pay to grant you eternal life that starts now. Eternal life starts now in the name of Jesus. It's a new set of priorities. It's a new worldview. It's a new perspective. That's eternal life. It's not just entry one day into heaven. It's I, I, I thought one way and I put my faith in Jesus and all of my priorities are different now. That's eternal life. Eternal life starts the moment you put your faith in Christ. That doesn't mean everything about your life is different. That doesn't mean you won't struggle. That doesn't mean that, that, that going forward there's no pain. That just means you're, the price of your sin has been paid for and eternal life is now present in your soul. So the response is up to you. Listen, Christian, those of us who are followers of Jesus. I pray that this impacts us. Because maybe some of you guys are wondering, well, I'm, I'm already a Christian. What kind of response? Listen, w- you could be a follower of Jesus and not really live like it. Maybe today it's about just getting back to where you need to be with God. You already are a Christian. You're going to end up, you've got the, the quantity of life, eternal life, but you need to get back to the quality of life that God has called you to. Living in correct relationship with God. Today, that's you. For some of you, though, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm so happy you're listening to this message because I've been praying that you would be here, and I've been praying that today is your day. In fact, I felt led to pray as we were starting today that today would be the answer to somebody's prayer for years. 
there's a family member or a friend who has been praying for somebody who's either on campus or watching this message today, has been praying for your salvation for years and years and years. And today, it's going to happen. Today, life change takes place. You know the response that you need to make. And this is your moment. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.